I apologize if last Sunday I said anything that uh, was embarrassing. <laughs> I've been having some back problems, and uh, I, w I had a muscle relaxer before I preached last Sunday, I think. And uh, <laughs> so I'm not responsible uh, for everything I said last week. And uh, I don't know why, but I've I, I did something to my back, and I'd really been struggling for about three weeks. And um, Brianna and Joan have been suffering the ill effects of listening to me. It was one. It's one of those weird things that, as long as I kept moving, it was okay. And but I could not, when I was done with work, I could not sit down. So it was like, what are my options? Work forever, and then and when I laid down, I couldn't get comfortable either. It was like in, in between my shoulders and then working its way down. And I was going to the chiropractor um, quite regularly and. And then I saw my doctor, and he had me on, like, steroids and anti-inflammatory and muscle relaxer. And then last Wednesday, I was just like, okay, that's it. I'm just going cold turkey because I'm taking all these things, and I'm not feeling any better. So you, know that, you know what I'm saying? Like if I was feeling better. And so, um, yeah, just Wednesday, I just said to Joan, I'm just not taking anything today. And I'm just, she's like, nothing? And I'm like, nothing. I'm just, I'm just too much going on. I'm just going to and see what happens, see, see, where I, see where I'm at. And then I just, Thursday we had the funeral and everything going on. I worked in the morning and then uh, worked on some music with Laura. And then the funeral was over. It was about 6 o'clock. And I hadn't even thought about my back the whole day. And I, there was something, I don't know, I, I, sometimes when you're leading worship as a musician and a person, you know, like you, you're worried about notes and thinking about that. But I was just committed to that funeral to, meeting with God there, even, you know, even though I, I'm, I'm not really that comfortable leading the musical side of worship. No, I know I look comfortable to you because I've been a pastor a long time, so I'm a fantastic actor, okay? And uh, so we get used to, and aren't, aren't a lot of Christians good at, like, appearing to have it together, right? And uh, we don't mean to, it's just, you know, like, okay. Anyway, God keeps us together. So uh, I just... Uh, I didn't even think about my back till the funeral was over, and Carmen said, how's your back? And I went, hmm, that's right. I, I guess it is a little tight. <laughs> and I, and uh, so since then, I, I've just, I don't know where the Lord healed me. I still have a little something in my, in my neck, a little, a little tiny something, but I was able to watch, uh, go to the funeral, and I sat down, watched Thursday Night Football, like, and I was comfortable. And I slept the whole night, and... So I've had a few good nights sleep in a row until last night, uh, about 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock. I, I, I woke up sleep singing, and that's only happened to me a couple times. Like where, uh, And earlier in the week, I told Joan that I, had, I was singing this song in, in, in my dreams. And last night, I was just singing a little song uh, that went, yes, Lord, yes. To your will and to your way, I say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey as your spirit works in me. With my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. So I was having some, and I, I woke up singing the song, and I almost woke Joan up because I was like, and, and then I was just like, sometimes I it's rare that I can't sleep and I and I get I start 
really psychoanalyzing myself or like thinking I'm in anxiety is why I can't sleep. And so, but last night it was just a prayerful kind of sleeping and resting and singing and back to singing and trusting. And it's an old song we used to sing when I was a youth pastor. So I ran through the chords with Laura and said, maybe we'll end with that little ditty this morning. So she was like, those chords are old as you are. So <laughs> she didn't say that. She was thinking it. <laughs> well, we did this. Uh, uh, I'm Lance, by the way, pastor here at Falls Church. And nice to see you over there. And uh, so glad you guys could make it here today. We did. Uh, I'm continuing this s- study through the book of Acts. And uh, I'm not on medication today, so I have no one to blame but myself. And I'm very really thankful. You know, it's kind of one of those things. The reason I was bringing it up is you, you kind of overlook things like rest and to be and to live in not pain, and or 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 you kind of don't have empathy for people that do have pain. And it was one of those. It's been one of those things where over the last uh, few weeks, a month, I thought of you often, Randy, because I know you have some uh, chronic back pain. Where I was really empathetic and and praying for Randy months back, as I I myself was praying for my own back and uh, it kind of can take over like like it's all you talk about I found myself going like I was always going to be I I was determined I'm going to be the old person who doesn't talk about all their ailments all the time but when you have a chronic back thing that you cannot rest you cannot stop you cannot sit down driving hurts your back laying down hurts your back and just standing up and working so Joan's like just work 20 hours a day get going don't sit around moping about you can't get comfortable. Get up and work. Do something productive then. Uh, so, um, yeah, I tried. Okay, the never-ending eternal story. Um, I've, I've kind of subtitled this today, Anointed to Serve. We did uh, this wonderful youth outreach when I was a youth pastor to New York City. We partnered with three local churches in New York City, like in the city and Bronx and Harlem and Yonkers, these, the, the uh, what do they call those? Boroughs, yeah. Uh, so, you know, there aren't many thriving churches in the city. The big churches have moved out, you know, uh, out of the city, out into the edges, and there's these uh, small little uh, local churches that two youth groups got together. Uh, we united and brought 100 students together uh, to go into New York City. 60 students were from Washington, D.C. 40 of them were from my youth group from uh, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And we were in the planning stages that we're going to go to New York City and do an outreach instead of overseas. Every other year, overseas, and then the next year we'd stay continental U.S. And so we're planning this together. A good friend of mine, Barry Phipps, he's in Manassas. Uh, the Sound is the, the name of their church now in Manassas, Virginia. It's just outside the Beltway there. And so we took 40 students from Wisconsin, and I remember working on the promo packet for it. And I'm like, we got to come up with a new cool name. And I I went into Pastor Dale's office because I'd I'd sometimes talk things through Pastor Dale. I worked for him for 11 years. He was a youth pastor for a lot of years. And so I I run things by him. So I said, Dale, here's here's what I'm thinking. What do you think about this for this New York outreach? The New York Invasion. What do you think of that? And he goes, so you guys are taking the youth group into New York City, and you think you're going to invade it? <laughs> he just started laughing out loud. He's like, 
<laughs> he, he wasn't an unfaithful thing. He's like, they're not even going to know you were there. Okay, so, you know, invasion, the New York invasion, it's just a little, you know, it's unrealistic, you know, and I, then I was a little embarrassed. I'm like, okay, you're right, and, and we ended up settling on the New York outreach. You know, we, we'd go, we'd go, we'd reach out, we'd, we'd try to do something because, you know, uh, we aren't going to invade this massive city uh, no matter uh, what we try to do, and so... Uh, he, he would make fun of me a lot uh, about that one for many years. It was surprising to me uh, when we did walk in the streets there of Harlem. It was a pretty intense experience. The classic kind of roughneck gangsters on the fronts of these stairs, of these row houses. Uh, and so we went into each little neighborhood for a couple days to promo what we are going to do, this block party. And... Um, and the, uh, I don't really remember Harlem except for really keeping an eye on all our students. We all wore the same bright colored T-shirts. And when the local kind of people who run those streets uh, knew that we were a ministry team, we were all together there, they kind of uh, made sure uh, no one messed with us and they kind of left us alone. The Bronx, we, we weren't allowed to meet uh, in certain areas because of noise and we wanted to set up our sound system video and lights and we weren't allowed to but we set up shop in this local park there and had a couple days of outreach uh, one big block party outreach each location we spent a, a little bit of time canvassing giving out thousands of invitations to come to a, the block party our students each raised seven hundred dollars for the for the trip and five hundred of it covered their expenses uh, I can't remember where we lodged on that particular one. It seems like we were in some dorms, dorm rooms without air conditioning. And we got Subway under the bus that by lunchtime, it was, uh, each sandwich was 120 degrees and full of humidity. Oh, I couldn't eat Subway for like six months to a year after that. It, it ruined Subway for me for a while, but it's come back. A um, few cold winters in South Dakota healed that. Um, but our students raised $700. And $200 of each student, so 100 times 200 is what? Like $20,000, right? So we, we used $20,000, and we said, uh, since we're going together as youth groups, and there's no big organization, there's no overhead, us youth pastors are doing this, we'll use $20,000 for the program to rent all these inflatables, to create this big block party. And we just kind of talked about it as youth pastors. We said, you know, we're mostly white kids going into, you know, this urban setting, and it's just not going to work for us to do our human videos of people need the Lord, you know. <laughs> you're, you're down there in the Bronx and, you know, and uh, in Harlem, you know. And so uh, so we took this $20,000, and we, we rented inflatable games to fill the parking lot of wherever we could get. We bought door prizes, gave away bicycles and you know, back then iPods were kind of this new thing, gave away some of those, and and we provided food, you know, hot dogs and cotton candy and popcorn, and we were trying to create this, like, free block party, get people to come. Uh, so, and then we carved out a little of our budget to bring somebody with us who could relate, and we so we brought these guys called the Disciples of Christ, these uh, uh, rapper dudes, and, and one day we paid for this guy, T-Bone uh, was his name, uh, he was a Christian rapper, as uh, you know, we just kind of were thinking like we wanted something relevant that could speak to them. So T-Bone traveled with us and the Disciples of Christ. And and, you know, I don't know if you know his music, but it's a little more like in your face than what 
we were used to, you know, was which is like, throw your hands up in the air. It's the sound of the electric chair. Because I'm a demon executor hitting switches tonight. You know, demon executor. <laughs> throw your hands up in the air. It's the sound of the electric chair. I'm a demon executor hitting switches tonight. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's relevant street tough. So the last day, so we, we did these block parties, and there was, you know, eh, a few, some people showed up. There was some great testimonies. We witnessed people on the streets and stuff. And, but the last uh, location that we were at, there were some high-rise apartments in Yonkers, New York. Okay, that's, one of the, that's not one of the five boroughs, but it's north of the Bronx, and uh, it's like the fourth largest uh, population density of the New York City, uh, of the cities of New York City, and but it's right there in the whole, you know, the whole mayhem. Uh, and there was some high-rise apartments, like the next slide, if you'd show, uh, up here to the left, where there was uh, low-income low people jammed in there. Um, I think they said there was 10,000 people within, uh, like, three city blocks around the the little location that we're meeting in a church parking lot we set up. And um, so we had uh, canvassed these uh, apartments and the neighborhood for a couple days. And uh, I, I read a study also that 25,000 New York City high-rise buildings today uh, average over three persons per one-room studio apartment. So you have a one-room studio apartment. That's why I put that picture of Kramer there when he had those guys in his drawers and his, he was hoteling people out of his apartment. But uh, so there was a lot of people really close to this parking lot of this church. And is that so we, we canvassed, we talked to people, we started, set up the inflatables in the parking lot and cotton candy. And, and as the day went on, the block party started. And in this location, hundreds of people started showing up. And it turned into a really great family day. And folks were getting along. You know, I think we did it from like after early afternoon until the evening. So it was like a People were coming and going, but s we started noticing the crowd turn from hundreds of peoples to, to hundreds and hundreds of people. And uh, we had this incident I'll never forget because it was so hot out during the daytime before, because we were there until the evening, till like 10 o'clock, so it did get dark. But one kid on the, who was working on the stage area grabbed a gallon water jug and started drinking it. He was so thirsty, right out of a gallon. <coughs> And some kid said, that's not water. That was fog machine juice. You know, it's, it's poisonous. And he goes, I just poisoned myself. So I, I, I get a car. So I don't know. Somebody borrows me a car or something. He jumps in with me. I take him to the emergency room, and I bring the, the jug with me so you can see this toxic stuff. And, and uh, I just remember afterwards his family said, Pastor Lance, we really t appreciate you taking him to the emergency room. We got an $800 bill. He was there for like a half hour because they read the ingredients and they gave him a glass of milk and a slice of bread and said, that'll do you <laughs> $800. That was their deductible, by the way. It was a lot more money than that, but it wasn't poison and he was fine. But we rushed back over, so I missed about an hour of the block party. But as the night went on, our stage lights and our sound system kind of took over this little neighborhood. And not just hundreds of people came, but thousands of people came. And in uh, the uh, 
the, the, the last estimated count of people that attended our little block party there by two youth groups put together in New York's, in Yonkers, was 8,000 people. <laughs> it was just crazy. Show that next picture. There's just like heads and stuff when the stage was there and di disciples of Christ were, were singing and preaching the gospel. And I think we had about uh, 500 people that came forward and made commitments to Christ. And it was, you know, it was a really dynamic. I would say it was almost an invasion of two blocks of Yonkers, New York. It was pretty awesome. And uh, I can't imagine what the disciples were dealing with here in Acts chapter 6 when thousands of people joined the church in one day. And then they set out to start feeding people and helping them. Acts chapter 4 says they sold property, they gave the money, and, and then they all shared as they had need. And sharing everything in, a com in common is a powerful thing, and yet this early church faces the reality of taking care of the poor, the estranged, and the elderly of this new community. They're, they're trying to live for Jesus and take care of one another. It was thought that the Jewish tribes that, that, that the elderly were, you know, very taken care of, and now that this, these new people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, it's causing a real division, and some people who thought they were going to be taken care of as they were older were now, because of their faith in Jesus, cut off from the traditional way of being fed in your community as a Jew, and there were all these needy, hungry, elderly people, and a lot of elderly people, they said in this time, were coming back to Jerusalem because they wanted to die and have their bones be buried in the holy city of Jerusalem, and that, that's still kind of a, a pretty powerful draw for Jewish people to come back to Israel and be buried in, in, in the land that God gave you. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, in those days when a number of the disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked for the daily distribution of the food. There's not a lot of information about these Grecian Jews, who they were, but we know that tensions do arise all the time in our life when two different cultures of people meld together. And imagine this in this you know, this swell of people coming into the church, thousands of people, and some from strong Jewish backgrounds, and some uh, are pagan uh, Gentiles, and some are these Grecian Jews, Jews who are in other areas who have now come back to Jerusalem, and they're, they've, they've ended up here and now have come to faith in Jesus Christ. The Old Testament encouraged a generosity to aliens, to widows, to social outcasts. And these young believers are confronted with the challenge of lots of needy people and lots of merging tensions from different cultures. Some scholars argue that the Hebraic Jews felt superior towards the Gentile believers as God's chosen people. And that that was part of the, the angst between these people and how they were saying some of the elderly are being taken care of, some of the hungry are being taken care of, and some aren't. Some of you had the uh, opportunity to serve at the banquet a few weeks ago, and uh, it's always a, a good, humbling process to to go through. How, how many of you were there uh, serving at the banquet? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, seven, 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 se
how did it, how did it make you feel? You know, Jeff, how, how, when you left there that night, did you have any closing thoughts in your brain? Did you, did anybody walk away from there feeling overwhelmed for the staff thinking they do this like a couple t- is it morning and evening like s- 5 days a week and then once on Saturday and then and they don't on Sunday but I had picked up somebody gave them a ride this week who knows the schedule and they said well we're going to eat lunch at 11 at at the banquet, and I said, oh, so there's not dinner tonight? No, dinner. Tonight's at Salvation Army, and then on Sundays we go to the Gospel Mission. <laughs> so they had they had worked it out in Sioux Falls where they have all their meals kind of covered by these different organizations because he said, the guy said to me, yeah, well, I want to make some changes in my life. I've been going to church a lot. I said, oh, really? Where's that at? He goes, the Gospel Mission. And I remembered, oh, yeah, you have to listen to the preaching in order to get to eat food there. So <laughs> that's good. And... Uh, Imagine for these disciples then feeding these this mass group of people and this all coming together in, in a moment of people coming to the church and people selling properties, pulling their funds together, but then organizing this 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 feeding process. It must have been complex and yet God was blessing their efforts and people were giving extravagantly towards it. And we're gonna l- read later here in part two of the message of how taking care of people's physical well-being was the first ministry appointment that they they looked for people filled with the Holy Spirit and and respected and 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 full and with wisdom to to anoint them and to be uh, caretakers of others before preachers, teachers and evangelists. Will you stand with me? Lord, you have anointed us uh, to serve. We're not always sure in what capacity or how that unfolds in our daily lives, but would you continue to open up our hearts and minds to ways that that we can minister uh, the love of Jesus in in practical ways, uh, in in uh, ways that in our own mind we would not ever plan. We would not ever think that we were even gifted, but we'd keep our hearts and minds open to your dynamic work of the Holy Spirit through us. In these last great days, God, you're looking to appoint uh, ministers in, in uh, work cubicles, in office wings, in warehouses, uh, over the over the over the over the road the the and police stations and fire stations that you're you're placing us God in schoolyards and in cafeterias and in cafes and in restaurants and and uh, uh, in hospitals yeah uh, Lord all around this room you've strategically placed us in in these unique spots and we're always wondering. What, what are you trying to do? What, what God, what, what are we doing that's really making a difference in your kingdom? But would you, by the Holy Spirit, uh, unfold some unique ministry opportunities for each person around this room that we'd be listening to your voice and willing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Continue to reveal your wonder, Lord, to us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. We're going to look to the Lord with...
his tithes and our offerings. And Jeff, in just, oh no, that's not Jeff, uh, Micah, in just a moment we're going to run that youth convention video. Can you give me the thumbs up that you're going to be ready for that? Okay, good. <laughs> Whether he'll be ready or not, we'll find out, but he's giving us the indication. Lord's been good to us. Thank you for your continued giving. Father, we know that without you, we could do nothing. And everything we're able to create, everything we're able to earn, every, everything we're able to uh, cultivate, it comes from you giving us life and breath, you connecting our, 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 our heart, mind, and soul all together. And uh, Lord, we pray that, uh, that these funds would continue to further the gospel, that we continue to extend our arm around the globe to India and Central America and throughout Eurasia and uh, uh, South America, Africa, the continents of the missionaries that we've been sending and giving and, and giving towards uh, even even across the state here uh, to the Rosebud Reservation. God, we know that you're 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 going to rescue. God, we know you're going you're placing these folks strategically around the globe for such a time as this, that when as these last days fall off the calendar, that there will be a great harvest, that, that there will be a great turning to you. We thank you, God, that we get to be a part of that harvest as we work together in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you give. <sighs> I didn't realize it was getting this late already. I, I, I saw we started a few minutes late, so it's paybacks a little bit, but. So the new young church is facing some major responsibility is kind of what I was getting at. They're concerned about the welfare of the others. Now, I know how overwhelming it was for me for 8,000 people feeling responsible for one day, right? That, and, and I remember after the event was over that the pastor's actual testimony went something like this. We only had one person beat up outside of our event at the church that day. <laughs> 8,000 people were there, and only one person was bludgeoned. So that was good. That was actually from the pastor in Yonkers giving a testimony. But in those days, when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among complained about the Hebraic Jews because the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of the food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. Men should have the responsibility of serving food. That's what the Bible says. Oh, all the ladies said. Oh, OK, I was just trying to give you a chance there. OK, because you didn't really back me up very well there. OK. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we'll turn this responsibility over them, and we'll give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. Now, to me, that's the miracle here, that they could say, we should have a strategy to take care of, to do this daily ministry, this, and that the whole group. Well, you know, was pleased. They chose Stephen, uh, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, T Timon, 
Parmenas and uh, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increasing, increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The first anointing service in this New Testament church was anointing, laying hands on, and praying for those who were going to take care of those who were hungry, who needed food. When I graduated from Bible college, it was a big service. I mean, all the professors were there, Dr. So-and-so, Dr. this PhD, that person, caps and gowns. It was a very regal kind of event. They called us graduates uh, to preach the word. And they would read the, from this text, uh, 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 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. They would read, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of his uh, appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. This is, this is the verse that all preachers, you know, you'll, you'll hear preached almost at every ordination service, every licensing committee, every kind of graduation of for preachers. Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage, and with great patience and careful instruction. I've been to those when I graduated from Bible college, when I was a licensed minister, when I became ordained and Doug licensed, ordained. You've been there too, Doug. You've heard that declaration, right? Preach the word. And they usually place, I think when we got ordained, they placed some kind of thing on us. It was supposed to be like a mantle that they placed over us and said, preach the word. And the disciples, though, as they were raising up a group of leaders to get involved in this new church, they said, we need people of faith who are full of the Holy Spirit who can take care of the needy people in our community. And they had some folks who said, yes. And they laid their hands on them, and they prayed that they would be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a very practical way. Um, Joan, did you give out all your books you were going to give out? Do you want to? I, I put a little spot in here. Joan, stand up and thank people for serving Thursday night. Because there's some flowers here, here, and here from Carolyn Thompson's uh, memorial gathering Thursday night. Yeah, so um, our church had the honor to uh, be asked to provide the kitchen help, which seems um, probably uh, not all that important and never was mentioned on the program or um, uh, afterwards or during the service or anything, but a very important part, and I know that they did a great job. We had 11, 12 people from our church um, do that, and so each one of them is getting this book that Carolyn recommended. It's called God Psychiatry. I have one that is here, and um, so I just want to thank you for serving and not really being um, no accolades there, but um, really important part. And so thank you. So the disciples, their what I would say their first launch, their first christening, their first anointing, the first leaders that they gather together are simply to serve and help other people. This proposal pleased the whole group, and they, they chose Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, and Nican. Okay, What's it, what does this say about ministry? That, that the whole community was part of the voice as well. 
Like, it wasn't coming from one person who stood up and proclaimed, this is what we should do. That there was a whole community who was part of solving the need that was before them and then also helped uh, appoint and, and uh, maybe nominate these that would serve. It wasn't a pastor telling everyone, I know it's popular now. You get a leader who has a vision, and that leader gets the vision, and he's going this direction, and he, he sell this vision to everybody in the church, get them all to say the same thing and have the same heart and mind, and we're all going in this direction from this vision. But the New Testament church was, church was very different, where everybody brought something together. Everyone, they, they opened up their homes, they broke bread together, they, they worshiped together, you know, like they shared what they had in common. They, they made these decisions together as a community. It's pretty powerful. Now, it's not the normal today. I, I know this guy, and he, he leads a church um, around the, let's just say, in the, the greater Sioux Empire. And... Uh, he said to me, Lance, uh, if anybody questions you, we're, we're doing this project together. He said, if anybody questions you, you just, you just tell them to, you know, if anybody questions what's going on, you just send them to me. You, you just tell them that, you know, if anyone has any questions, you, you tell them to talk to me. He said, and, and I, I, I didn't really get what he was saying at first, but then I realized he, he said, I want to tell you this little story, Lance. He said, when President Abraham Lincoln was making a crucial policy decision, some of his cabinet members came to him and said, Sir, uh, during the Civil War, he said, Sir, the, uh, we just want you to know that, that everybody has talked about this, and all 13 are in, are in agreement that we shouldn't go through with this. It's 13 to 1. Like, they were coming to tell the president, all the smartest people in the room that are on your team are telling you not to do this. <laughs> and uh, so he said it's 13 to 1. So, and, and that Abraham Lincoln said, well, uh, hey, uh, that's really great. Um, let everyone, I'm pleased to inform you that the ones have it. <laughs> we took a vote. It's 13 to 1. The ones have it. Some people feel like follow the leader is a pattern for church unity. But here, it, it pleased the whole group. That I think it's one of those miracles of the New Testament that they could all speak and be together as a group of people. That the early church faces a big community problem, an expensive problem, uh, a heavy task-oriented problem. And they say, let's, let's appoint people that the Holy Spirit is working through, that have a good reputation to organize and, and to do this, to, to be this hands and feet of Jesus. In Acts chapter 15, precedent again, the, I love that phrase because they, they're deciding on what to tell these new believers out of all the Old Testament of, of what commandments to, but they, they come together and they say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And I think, you know, my preference would be that more ministry comes out of our community as a people. More ministry comes from us derived, not from the lead pastor. I had an uncomfortable meeting when we were talking on Sunday night. We had a, some real good things. We were planning the youth conference and talking about house church, and somebody brought up a Bible study, and I, I just had to, like, 
my goal was to say nothing and see if other people, because I'm used to being the problem solver. I'll step up. I'll lead that. Oh, we have something over here. I'll lead that. And uh, there was a real quiet for quite a, a long, uncomfortable, healthy pause <laughs> that no one was saying anything. <laughs> Nobody. And uh, I think it's really good. But I would prefer that more ministry arises out of uh, our church community, not just derived from the church pastor. People sensing that God has ordained them and called them. Somehow, this scripture's divided. I think some people have taken this away and said, well, the goal then of ministry is to be give yourself to the preaching and to the ministry of the word. But and and kind of try and has created, I think, a little separation like the preaching and the ministry of the word is this greater calling that you want to give yourself to. And then you hope to find some other people who will take care of all the, you know, serving of other people, helping of other people. And I would I argue that all service is spiritual, right, that all that the that the 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 preaching, the declaration of the word, the leading of worship, the 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 helping with the children, the the, the cleaning up, the throw up of a little toddler, you know, in the room, you know, that they're all supernatural works of the Holy Spirit, that all service is spiritual. I'm not a secular general contractor. OK. The Lordship of Jesus is watching over the things that I build and how God is watching over what I build, how I build a house, how I remodel a kitchen. God's watching over that. And God, in the same way, is watching over how I build a sermon. Both are spiritual, supernatural acts of worship to me. Trust me, I'm in awe of how the Lord keeps helping me build things and figure things out. And sometimes I stare at a problem or a stairway. There's all these rules about railing height and step heights and, 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 and figuring out landscaping that I just stare. And I remember this week uh, that I was just sitting down staring at some rocks and going right down here at eye level and then going like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how this is going to come together. This, I, I just need your help. I'm not being lazy. I was just like coming up with this, like, God, I'm not trying to get you to bail me out. I'm not trying to, you know, but like just breathing, like in in my job of trying to figure things out, asking God for help. Every week I have those pauses when I open up like this week, I open up Acts chapter six and I'm so, I'm so familiar with the text. And I'm like, what can I what can, I just stare at it in the same way that I was staring at some landscaping and stairway problem this week going, Lord, what what can I say? What can, what can I bring to Falls Church this week? And the Lord keeps helping me find truth. Both reflect Christ-centered values of my life. Writing a sermon, building a house. That God has called us and God has anointed us to serve. If you're going to fly a plane, I I would prefer... I know Carl's not here because he's been doing some no-win no situation, really. He can't win. He's doing um, flight combat exercises, Air Force, and they're going up against the Marines, so it's kind of stacked against them. They're not going to win. <laughs> they're not going to win, but I mean, 
But they got to go through the motions, and they got to go against the best so that they can make sure they're prepared. But if you're going to fly, wouldn't you prefer to be anointed to fly? If you got to drive, wouldn't you prefer to be anointed to drive? If you're managing and organizing, wouldn't you prefer to be anointed to manage? Wouldn't you prefer to be anointed to paint rather than just painting? Anointed to sing? Anointed to play and anointed to program? Anointed to repair? Anointed to frame? Anointed to caretake? Anointed to feed? Anointed to protect? Anointed to rescue? Anointed to troubleshoot, anointed to serve. May the Spirit of Jesus fall upon your hands and your feet and anoint you to serve this week. Uh, Why go to your job? Why go earn a check? Why not instead uh, fulfill a ministry calling that Jesus has placed you on that campus, in that neighborhood? in that building, in that area. Father God, may your spirit rest on us and that you could anoint our hands and feet for service. In Jesus' name. And all the church said, amen. Lord bless you. Thank you for your patience, giving us a few extra minutes this morning. And next week, worship is life. Todd Marshall will be here. And uh, get registered for youth convention. Find uh, youth conference. Find... uh, that young lady over there, Carol, she has a clipboard with Brianna and Emily's name, and Brian's name needs to be on there. Maybe Grayson wants to go. If you bring a friend, the friend gets in for half price, by the way. If they've never gone to youth com- conference and their unchurched friend gets in for half price, so that's a good deal. Have a great day. God bless you.